Good to have you on this Monday. Bill Michael Show, we continue. Got to say thanks to our friends at Kemp's. Kemp's, a, uh, a great company. Long-time uh, dairy company right uh, in uh, Cedarburg, Wisconsin. And they're looking for good people. I uh, have talked about this time and again. And uh, they uh, got a hold of me and said, hey, uh, we've... We're getting, uh, we're getting the drivers, but we still need some production people that would be interested. And uh, so sure enough, they said uh, go to Kemp's.com, click on the word careers at the bottom of the page. Kemp's.com, click on the word careers at the bottom of the page. And they are hiring uh, right now. And if you fill out your information and get your, uh, get your information to them and, and your resume and such, then they are looking to interview almost immediately. So get a hold of Kemp's, K-E-M-P-S, Kemp's.com. That's Kemp's.com. Click on the word careers at the bottom of the page. You are good to go. Could find yourself getting an interview as soon as, uh, you know, this week. So there you have it. Uh, I, I got to get you the, the email. Uh, this is from Alex listening to us in Sussex, Wisconsin, said, starting out saying, you freaking idiot. I actually used the word freaking. He was a little bit stronger language than me. How can you not pick the Packers to win the division? Eight first-round draft choices on D. Great up-and-coming pass catchers. Musgrave is a stud at tight end. The best offensive line in fo- football. Pull your head out of your big ass and get behind this team. Quit being so effing negative. That is Alex in Sussex. Just want to let that sink in there for a minute. Big fan. Yeah, I know. Huge. First of all, he listens, so I, I appreciate that. Here's my question. You have eight first-round draft choices I agree with on the uh, defensive side of the football, two of which are not going to start the season. They're coming back off significant injuries. So let's let's stop with the eight. Let's go to six, okay? Um, you did add some good pieces. I agree with that. I think uh, last year you had some good pieces on the defense as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Kenny Clark was there. He's a first-round draft choice. Devontae Wyatt was there. He's a first-round draft choice. Quay Walker was there as a first-round draft choice. Rashawn Gary got hurt. Jair Alexander, first-round draft choice. Darnell Savage, first-round draft choice. So all those guys were there last year. And where'd the defense end up? Just want to throw it out there. They were, what, 15th, something like that, 16th overall. So the numbers don't mean a damn thing. I think in part it's who's coaching them. And secondly, if they are – you can – you know what? Ryan Leaf was a first-round draft choice. He didn't do a damn thing. So just because you have the, the, the number one in front of your name when you talk about your draft position doesn't mean anything. Not to me it doesn't. I've, I've been arguing that point for years and years and years. How many people have been first-round busts or just not lived up to expectation? So many. So many. So take that out of the equation, okay? You look at it for what it is, right? You've got Jonathan Ford, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt. You did add Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden. I agree. Lucas Van S. now a first-round draft choice, but he wasn't here last year. So you did pick him up. Okay, I'm a, I've got excitement. I agree with that. Eric Stokes, first-round draft choice, don't forget he and Rashawn Gary, but they're not going to be back right away. So Stokes was there last year, too. I was remiss in not mentioning his name. But the point is, just because they're first-round draft choices doesn't make it great. The best offensive line in football, I would 
I don't know if I would argue that too much or argue with that too much. They're a damn good offensive line. When you look at David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and Josh Myers, that left side is really, really solid, starting from the inside out. And then you add in John Runyon, who came in in his first year and performed admirably. Now, whether it's Josh Nyman or Zach Tom or whomever playing the right tackle position, you've got a line that's pretty solid and played well down the stretch last year. Now, are they a big run-blocking offensive line? No, they're not. This is a line that was built to be a pass-protecting line. Let's, let's not forget that. It was a pass-first offense with a four-time MVP under center, correct? It is not a run-first offense. Never has been. Therefore, they've built this team to pass-block. Now, you want to go back and say, let's become a run-blocking team because we don't want to put it in the hands of Jordan Love consistently. We don't want to put all the pressure on his arm right away. We want to see what this team can do and just kind of get moving, so to speak. Move the sticks. Run the football. The tandem of A.J. Dillon and, and Aaron Jones. Maybe even throwing in a Patrick Taylor every now and then, you know, or maybe one of the new guys, you know. But it, it's it's a pass-blocking offensive line. It's not a jugger. It, it's not like you got the Hogs from years gone by from the old Washington Redskins team that just got under people and just blew open holes. You don't have that with John Riggins running behind it. This is a, a very much, I don't want to call them a finesse team, but a technique-specific or technique-perfection team, not a road-grader team. So why do I not get behind? It's not that I'm not behind them. I am. As a fan, I want to see them win. But I just I can't go with the argument of best offensive line in football. Now, um, they might be really good, but I think they're the best pass-blocking offensive line in football but I don't know about the best line in football. Now, going back to your argument of the weaponry, let's talk about that for a minute. Christian Watson, certainly we've seen flashes. Romeo Dove, Samari Torre, all those guys, they had their moments where you went, oh, okay, boy, they could turn out to be really good. Now it's time to take that second-year step. You, you, you have to see more productivity, more sure hands, and they got to be available. You know, the old adage, you can't make the club from the tub. You, you, the guy's got to be available. Christian Watson wasn't available early last year. Wasn't available through training camp last year. This is going to be his first real training camp. So let's see if he can get through a whole training camp without a, a hamstring injury, right? And then on top of it with uh, Tucker Craft and Muck, Musgrave, I agree Musgrave is this reported stud. Had he not gotten hurt, he would have been a first-round shoe-in draft choice at the tight end position, understandably. But – typically okay again going with history typically there's very few guys that come in and just light it up their rookie year it takes them a little while and not only do these guys have to produce they also have to block okay so i'm i can live with the the mantra of why not the packers but to say that I'm an idiot for not getting behind them as being the, you know, be, because just because they got these first-round draft choices and they should be good? And no, no. Detroit beat them last year. Aaron Rodgers, by that point in time, was pretty healthy. Everything was moving in the right direction. All they had to do was win that game. And Detroit came in with more tenacity and more salivating vengeance of ass-whoop because of what Aaron Rodgers had said to them or said about them in a post-game press conference, and they just showed the grit. Packers didn't have it. And Packers had everything to play for, and they didn't have it. Okay? 
They didn't win as many games last year. They looked bad. Part of it was Aaron Rodgers. But to say that just because the, quote, cloud is lifted, maybe that will change the attitude in Green Bay. Maybe there will be a different pep in the step in the locker room. Maybe there will be um, a different attention to detail. Because a lot of times you just look at the best guy and go, go ahead and, and win it for us. We've seen teams do it with LeBron. We've seen teams do it with Michael. We've seen teams do it with Giannis. We've seen teams do it with Joe Montana. Go win one for us. You're, you're the best in football. Go do that. They see they do it in Kansas City. So maybe we should, shouldn't have relied so much on Aaron Rodgers and looked in other areas. But you relied on Aaron Rodgers to get the job done, be the comeback kid, bring, bring you back and win ballgames for you. And he did. He did. Now you, you wait and see. Because now maybe everybody else has to pay attention to detail because they can't just look at 12 anymore and say, go win it. Everybody's got to win it. Everybody's got to pull the rope in the right direction. Um, Winning Gambler says, the only clear advantage Detroit has over the Packers is their defensive line and experience at quarterback. Um, Brandon says, I have to agree with you, Bill. The number in front of the name, it doesn't mean a god darn thing. Uh, you speak reality. He's speaking fantasy. Um, Rick says you should have uh, seen how many first rounders uh, busts the Packers have drafted in the 70s and 80s. It was like one in three were busts. Um, there's been a lot of guys. I mean, just and, and I don't want to just look at the Green Bay Packers, but just in general, when you start to look at first round draft choices for what has and hasn't panned out, uh, let, let's go back. Okay, let's not start recent. Let's go back a while. Just to, just to kind of go through this, okay? Um, you look at uh, Brent Fullwood. Go back to 87, Brent Fullwood. Sterling Sharp was a first-round draft choice. Panned out. Damn, yeah. Tony Mandrich. <laughs> uh, Tony Bennett, Daryl Thompson. Vinnie Clark. Terrell Buck. T-Buck. Terrell Buckley, Wayne Simmons, George Teague, Aaron Taylor, Craig Newsom, John Michaels, Ross Verba, Vonnie Holiday, Antoine Edwards. That was my first year, by the way. Antoine Edwards. Antoine Edwards. Right after that, they got Freddie Vincent. Antoine Edwards. Uh, okay, you kind of took the gamble on it. The defensive back. They needed a defensive back, but they were drafting for need at that point. They were drafting for need. So the very next pick in Freddie Vincent, and I had just read about Freddie Vincent getting all the surgery on his foot and how it wasn't going to heal right, and they picked him anyway. Oof, it was a bad pick. Then there was Bubba Franks. Jamal Reynolds. Jamal Reynolds. Javon Walker. Nick Barnett. Then, Ahmad Carroll. Are you getting the point? Do you understand? Now, first-round draft choice was Aaron Rodgers, A.J. Hawk, very serviceable. Then there was Justin Harrell. So you see what I'm saying is just because the number one is in front of their name doesn't mean a damn thing. Not a damn thing. (laughs) If first-round picks on defense guaranteed anything, the last decade of Packers football would look. Very, very oh, yeah. different. There's no oh, lack of first-round picks over the last 10 years. That's not the problem. Right. 
When yeah, exactly. When you look at where, because how much do we talk about the Packers haven't chosen a first round wide receiver since Javon Walker? Okay, yeah. that means their defense is loaded. Yeah, where do you think those picks are going? Picks. Yeah, <laughs> it's like holy crap. Uh, let's go to Tim listening to us in Sparta. Tim, welcome to the program of the Bill Michael Show, man. What's going on today? Oh, it's good to have you back from uh, vacation, Bill. Uh, I know Grant filled in uh, admirably, but uh, there's just something about your dulcet tones that that's my day uh, on the right path. Um, okay, appreciate I, I it. Gonna, I, I was going to call in and, and just repeat what you just said. You may have all the first-round picks in the world on, on defense, but you have an idiot as a coach. I refuse to say his name without spitting, so I I'm in a car right now and I can't <laughs> spit anywhere. So, so I can't say his name, um, but the, we'll find out this year whether Lafleur can coach and whether the defensive uh, coordinator should have been fired in the middle of last season last year or not. And that is going to be the difference, I think, between whether Green Bay plays well enough to win the division, to make it to the playoffs, or anything else. They, they have the parts but do they have the coaches to get them to where they need to be? I think, and that, that's a very good point, and, and appreciate it as always, Tim. I think when you ask about the coaching, I think has the it goes twofold. One is, does the coach have the talent to work with? That's the first question. The second thing is, is the talent that's been given to him, has that talent that's been given to him something that's that's capable of playing in that system. You know, obviously you don't want to draft a bunch. Of, you know, like Ted Thompson, you go through the Ted Thompson era and you start to look and, and you think, okay, early on he was really, you know, drafting these guys best available, right? And then he grabbed a guy like, say, Mike Neal, right? Mike Neal. Mike Neal, they wanted him. He was more of a defensive end, but they wanted him to stand up. And they were going to move him around. There was Jarius Wynn, guys like that, you know, that they moved around. Um, who else? Who was who was another one that they they put Dayton Jones? Maybe Dayton Jones. Dayton Jones. Yes, thank you very much. Dayton Jones was another one. They wanted to move him around, and they wanted him to stand. Up. Nick Perry. Nick Perry was another one. Oh yeah, he had, had a little bit of, of success, but Nick Perry was another one. They were going to move these. They were these interchangeable parts. They were going to ask them to do things that they hadn't done. Either they stood up in college and they wanted them to put their fingers in the dirt in the NFL or vice versa. And it was just it, it's if you're drafting guys to be what they are, that's one thing. And if those guys as what they are fit in your system, then that can work. Sometimes you can draft a really quality player, but you're not putting them in a, in a good system or a good situation to be successful, and it's a wasted pick. So that's why when you look at it, which makes you a little bit nervous because you know Brian Gutekinds, he, I mean, he said it. We got talent. We, that statement, very subtle, very quick, you know, well, you know, defensively, you know, we got talent. We just need to do this and this and this. That little comment was, hey, guys, it's not me. It's a dude with the headset on. Not me. We got talent. Let uh, let uh, let the sentence off by saying that we got talent, and then said we need to put more pressure on a quarterback. We need to do this. We need so. In other words, you better start getting more aggressive, and and utilizing the talent that I've given you. 
Now, whether or not, you know, Joe Barry's capable of doing that, we'll have to wait and see. But make no mistake about it. I, the, <laughs> this year, there's if you want to talk about one of the, the hottest seats right now in coaching, doesn't matter what it is, head coach, assistant coach, whatever, one of the hottest seats in coaching going into the season, short of Mike McCarthy's, is probably Joe Barry's. And I believe Mike McCarthy is really on a hot seat for two reasons. One, the Cowboys are always under scrutiny. And two, because of the ugly way they finished last year, getting beat by Brock Purdy and company out in San Francisco. So McCarthy, then Joe Barry, and it kind of trickles down from there. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Find us. We would love to hear from you. Man, the other night we had a terrific time. We uh, we went out riding, and afterwards we got back to uh, – to Waukesha, and we went downtown Waukesha on Friday night. The threat of rain uh, shut down Friday night live, but Friday night we ended up kind of sitting back, relaxing, listening to some really good music, and just sat at the end of the bar and chatted with some friends and had a cigar and a hookah and just enjoyed a couple of beverages. And whether you're a cigar smoker or a hookah smoker or not, great place to go. And uh, they have fine bourbons and whiskeys, and they have different flavors of hookahs, huge walk-in humidor, live entertainment, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, big, big, big supporter. Joette down there always buys a foursome uh, in the Fisher House golf outing for a veteran, for a group of veterans. She doesn't golf, so she just buys the foursome for them so they don't have to pay, but always buys a foursome, always supports our motorcycle ride. Thanks to our friends at the Nice Ash Cigar Bar, 323 West Main Street, downtown Waukesha, one of the best, if not the best, cigar bar in the state of Wisconsin, hands down. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome to Pella. Hi. It's come to my attention. I need new windows. You do? Hey, sweetie, what's this? My art project. Honey, it's rotten. We need to toss it. Then why do we have to keep our rotten windows, Dad? Well, you came to the right place. Pell has a limited lifetime warranty on our wood windows, so this doesn't happen again. Thank you. Visit PellaWI.com today. It's summer and Road America's in mid-season form. Get your tickets now for NASCAR's Xfinity Series at RoadAmerica.com. That's RoadAmerica.com. Michael show. We uh, we continue on. Uh, we were talking about the, the Packers and uh, the Packers. You know, uh, <laughs> basically, I I was being called out because I'm not standing behind them saying, "Hey, they're going to win the division." I still think it's Minnesota's to win or to lose, and then uh, the next team that's probably the most likely to uh, reign supreme in the NFC North is going to be the uh, the Detroit Lions, and then the Detroit Lions after that. Uh, you know, maybe the Packers, and I don't know what to make of Chicago. We're going to start rolling around the uh, the NFC North coming up here relatively soon, and uh, we'll get uh, a lot of our reporters and some of our voices of on the line, and we'll start talking about um, 
you know what uh, what the expectations are for these teams this year. Because I don't know what to make of Chicago. I know Chicago has a lot of expectation, a lot of hope, a lot of anticipation for the season. I just still, I, I don't think they're really ready to go. I, I just, I, I just don't. I know that they're excited about some of the things that they've done, but I still think there's as much as Justin Fields has been able to win and proven that he can win. He's got that intestinal fortitude. I just don't know if he can win throwing the ball. I don't know if a two-minute drill down the field is going to be his forte to be able to give them some of those extra wins and get them over the top. So, anyway, uh, that's just, you know, going through that list of why we do or don't believe in the Green Bay Packers. Uh, This one, by the way, uh, is another one. This is from uh, Jacob. Jacob says, Hey, Bill, I, too, am a skeptic, but I do believe the Packers have the ability to win the division. Their defense is going to be better this season just because it has to be. And the offense is going to all grow together. That's the common denominator to a championship team. When all these guys and the, all these guys begin to rise and the cream comes to the top, this team will be formidable. I don't know if it's going to be this year, but I know in the future, very near, he has in parentheses, this team is going to win the division and have bigger sights set. And that's from Jacob. Jacob, by the way, listening to us up in Sheboygan. Um, it is when they started building the Packers, when when Ted Thompson did it, um, they took the best available. They became better together. And as soon as Rodgers had his chance and then some of those pieces were already in place and they had a chance to really fly, you started having Nick Collins kind of come into his own. They added the veteran piece and – already in uh in uh, Charles Woodson um uh, it it just it 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 really did kind of all just gel at the right time and really in the right season at the end of the season well, they weren't even gelling in the midseason they were gelling at the end of the season is when it all came together so it was i can't argue that you need it all to happen you need the youth of a quarterback, the youth and inexperience begin to grow with that quarterback at the wide receiver position. Your offensive line has to be stable and good. We all know that. Um, but you are correct. But does that make me say that this team then this season would be the shoe-in, hands-down favorite to win the division? Hell no. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, Chris said, oh, by the way, Mike McCarthy took back the play-calling duties, which has worked out well. Ha-ha. Right? He took him, Mike, Mike McCarthy in, in Dallas uh, basically knows this is it. And the way I look at it is Mike McCarthy finally said, um, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down my way. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Uh, we'll see if Dak Prescott listens to him better than at the end, Aaron Rodgers and the offense and some of those guys were listening to him. But yeah, it's that's the why he did it was because if you're going to go down, go down swinging, go down your way. Don't rely on other people to take you down. So, uh, eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. You want to find us? Feel free. Um, Todd says, uh, "Oh no, I'm sorry. We already got to that. I don't want to do that over again." Um, Big chunky bear says, uh, "Did you see Aaron Jones was in a professional bags tournament?" I didn't see that. Uh, Grant, did you see that? I didn't see that, but now I'm interested, and I like how that that 
commenter called it bags and not cornhole. I like calling it beanbags right. and not cornhole. I feel yeah. like I'm in the minority. I'm going to find it, though, now. Uh, I uh, It's funny because in the state of Wisconsin, it's bags or beanbag toss or cornhole. Uh, in Ohio, Indiana, it's cornhole. That's all it is. They they have cornhole tournaments and this and that and on and on and on. And uh, absolutely. That's that's you know, that's all it is. I did see that Jordan Love, Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Jeff Cotton, and Danny Etling were working out in California. It seems like something that Packers fans should be excited right. about, something we've wanted for a couple of years. Um right? We that the all these guys getting together. Imagine that, because camaraderie was not a thing. Until Aaron Rodgers went to New York and then building camaraderie and team spirit suddenly became a thing. I, and again, I say that almost in jest, but I don't uh, I, I don't knock because Rodgers up until the last few years had always been somebody um, had, that had shown up and that had done everything in the OTAs and the minigames, so. Uh, it was, it's only been the last couple of years that that became somewhat of a, a, a veteran non-factor, so to speak. Uh, Jeff says, who named it Cornhole? I have no idea, Jeff. Jeff, that is a, a, a great Wikipedia find. <laughs> I'm going to get on that. Get the research know. department all over it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Supreme MP, hello to you too. And good to see you following us on Kick, on the Kick app. So good stuff. Uh, Ronald says to Les out another three to four weeks with the finger. I have to believe that that is the nail in the coffin for him. He will not be a brewer much longer. Uh, you probably keep him on the, the injured list, you know, go from there, but, and then see what happens when he comes back. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, you're going to fill that position now. You know, you're going in that direction. Absolutely. 100% agree. Um, Brett said, I know you were off, but what is your take on the mess at Northwestern? I just uh, – somebody asked me that over the weekend, and I just started looking into it. I don't have an opinion as of right now. Uh, I'm going to look into that a little bit deeper, and then I'll let you know. We'll talk about it. Um, did you did, did you discuss any of that stuff at yeah, all? Yeah, that, um, that perked me up because I completely forgot that was last week when I was telling you things right. that we discussed. But, you know, also, what are we supposed to say about it for two hours on end? We can pass along right. the details and say, oh, shucks that's too bad and I hope they get it figured out but it's not really something that we can rant and rave and give opinions about it's just kind of a no. sad story it's it's yeah and uh and we can talk more about it but uh, you know it it uh I I don't have all the details I had a buddy of mine that approached me on it and said my god that mess at Northwestern what's going on over there and I just was like, well, okay, I'll start taking a look. And I read a couple of articles, and that was about the extent of it. It's a, like you said, it's just a very, very sad situation. Let's do this. We can talk a little bit further about it when we come back. Stay tuned. We got a lot more of the Bill Michaels show. I promise you, we'll make a mention of it. But uh, that's about as far as we're going to go. We still have two segments left to go in the program before we get out of here. Hang in there. More of the Bill Michaels show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Terrific Monday. Coming out of the All-Star break, Brewers get a big weekend sweep. Packers, a 
what, 10 days before we get back to training camp? And uh, then all the news begins to really kind of, you know, circulate. Uh, good stuff. 877-867-1670. Um, the, uh, and going back to the question before we went to break, and we were running up against it, so I wanted to take a quick break, but the, the whole thing at Northwestern, it, and when I say it's sad, it's sad not in the sense that Pat Fitzgerald lost his job. Um, it's, again, you're talking about an institution that, if indeed all the alleged stuff went on, this running and the hazing and the nudity and all the different stuff that takes place, it, guys talk. They just do. Guys talk. Guys on teams talk. So coaches know. So when you're asked, you know, are you surprised that Pat Fitzgerald lost his job? No, I'm not. Because I know the university, when you have a successful coach or a successful player, they do everything they can to protect them. Okay? Do everything they can to protect them. But... The bottom line is everybody in an organization knows. There are whether your position coach knows, whatever. It, it everybody knows. So I don't know to what extent all of this actually happened, did happen, didn't happen, whatever. But I'll tell you this, for all the things that have been stated about it, if if a modicum of that is true, then everything that has since transpired needed to transpire. They needed to, to let Pat Fitzgerald go and change the culture. You know, and stuff like this, here's the other thing to remember. Stuff like this is horrific for recruiting if you keep that coach in place. That's the other thing. If you keep that coach in place, you, you, cannot, you cannot effectively recruit anymore. Because you're, first of all, you're the coach that allowed this to happen under your watch. Secondly, you've allowed a culture like this to remain under your watch. Now, no parent is going to want to talk to the guy that allowed this to happen on his watch. Right? So it's you. You had to lose your job over. Once the allegation is there, you had to. He had to lose his job. Had to. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. I don't know what has come of it since then, and I don't know uh, what further investigations are going to reveal. But uh, yeah, it's. <laughs> I'll tell you this: if I would have ever been asked at any university, much less like at Ohio State or something, to ever be naked and have a center quarterback exchange, never going to happen. Never going to happen. Stuff like that. Just it, you, you know, and you're, what you're doing is you're asking guys to break other guys down rather than build them up to go through it and conform. And then it just becomes a following rather than everybody pulling in the rope in the same direction. Pardon the pun. It, it, you're breaking guys down. So, and that's not what, that's not what it's all about. It's about building guys up. So, 
I kind of get I, – I mean, I don't know where – I don't know all the details maybe that you know, Grant, in regards to all of this, but, you know, to me, was I surprised that Pat Fitzgerald lost his job? No. Were you? No, because I, I read the story in the Northwestern student paper last Saturday. I haven't read that. Yeah, um, I haven't read that yet. And that had all the details in it. And I was like, well, if this is true, they got to fire Pat Fitzgerald. And they did. And I've seen a lot of, especially because there was a lot of prominent Northwestern alums in the media at ESPN and, and with big media platforms. I said, you know, Pat Fitzgerald's a great man. This is, me, you know, kind of disagreeing. Pat Fitzgerald could be a great man who made some mistakes and let bad things go on. That doesn't mean he should be allowed to keep his job. That's not the way the world works. Right. Right. Yeah. And I know that uh, immediately, anytime you have a program that, and I don't want to say successful in the sense of them winning a championship or anything, because Northwestern has not been successful. At least they've been competitive, more competitive than they've been in the past. And that's due in part to Pat Fitzgerald. But let me say this. And, and some of the guys claim that Fitzgerald, this is something that's gone on for years and years and years, even before he was the head coach going back to when he was a player. Fitzgerald would have had to known if stuff like this was going on. I don't know to what extent that he knew it from his playing days or he knew it from his coaching days, but you know. And one of the things that has to happen for any coach is you, you your coach will go before the team and say, guys, th- you can't do this. This has to stop. And you have to let, you know, and you may say, give everybody another chance to kind of clean up their own act, but you know about it. You have to address it. And not only did he not address it, he, he either turned a blind eye or he perpetuated it. When you're doing this at practice, the way they claim, if indeed that's the case, and they say they have numerous witness, witnesses from what I understand, if that's the case, then not only did he know about it, he perpetuated it. So he had to go. You, you know, it's sometimes, you know, I always say you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Sometimes you have to because the stench of what's there is so permeating, everything has to go. You know, I, the, the best way to equate it is if you have a fire in your home, you know, and it only affects one room, but the smoke goes throughout the house and you can smell it in the couches, smell it in the chairs, smell it in the carpet. Just because the couch and the chair and everything is sterile, very viable and very usable, it still has to go because the stench has permeated it. That's what has to go and that's what has to take place down there at Northwestern. Uh, and I, I'll be fascinated to listen, I guess, to talk radio down there. Uh, to see what, uh, you know, what their opinions are. But again, it doesn't really affect us here, other than the fact that this is just another university scandal of this type where hazing uh, is allowed, or at least a blind eye is turned to it. And at some point, I look, I get it. You know, we used to have to run gassers and, you know, the old board drills and stuff, but it wasn't done in a demeaning fashion. The way, so I mean, again, you know, dudes getting naked, you know, bear crawling and such and being, you know, ripped apart. And I mean, just, I don't want to get into the details too much. Go read it for yourself. But you, there's a, there's, there's a, a competitive level of hazing. And then there is a humiliating human portion of hazing. And there is a, there is definitely a line that you cross. And in this particular case, it's crossed the line. Uh, let's do this. We'll step out. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll wrap things up. Coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome to Paula. Hi. It's come to my attention. I need new windows. You do? Hey, sweetie, what's this? My art project. Honey, it's rotten. We need to toss it. 
Then why do we have to keep our rotten windows, Dad? Well, you came to the right place. Pell has a limited lifetime warranty on our wood windows, so this doesn't happen again. Thank you. Visit PellaWI.com today. It's summer and Road America's in mid-season form. Get your tickets now for NASCAR's Xfinity Series at RoadAmerica.com. That's RoadAmerica.com. Terrific company that came on board not that long ago. And they're working with us in regards to the motorcycle ride coming up on Sunday, September 3rd. And continue to spread, spread the word, please. But uh, Veterans America, as they say, own the land you defend. And if you're looking for a zero-down payment, uh, no PMI, uh, they're one of the top VA lenders for home buyers in the area. Uh, get a hold of my buddy James over at uh, uh, Veterans America, 262-745-3333, 262-745-3333. And if anything, just say, hey, thanks for stepping up. They're one of the, uh, along with Water Doctors, they're one of the stage sponsors for the, uh, for the event coming up on Sunday, September 3rd for the motorcycle ride. So please, please, please come out and uh, support them. And uh, if you're a, a military member, family member, veteran, please get a hold of James over at uh, v- Veterans America, 262-745-3333. Good stuff there. Um, this one is from Jack. Jack says, uh, hey, Bill, over the next 12 games, that's what's going to determine whether or not the Brewers are buyers or sellers. If they go into some kind of a losing swoon right now, they are definitely going to be sellers. We should not be talking about getting a first baseman until we see if they survive. Um, I would still think at this point with a two-game lead that they're going to be buyers. I can't imagine the Brewers not being buyers. I, I get it. Philadelphia, Philadelphia's Philadelphia, Okay. But you have, what, six against Atlanta in the next nine games after that? But you have six against Atlanta, and then you've got three against Cincinnati. So you, you go to Philadelphia. You're off today, by the way. The Brewers don't play today. Brewers are off today, back at it tomorrow. And uh, they have uh, t- uh, two evening games, 540-540, and then I believe it's a day game, like 1130 game or something like that on uh, on Thursday. So make sure you download the app so you can still get the program, Okay. But after that, they have got three against Atlanta here in American Family Field. Then the weekend series coming up with uh, Cincinnati again. Or not the weekend series. The, uh, because they play at uh, Philadelphia, then Atlanta for the weekend series. Then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, they have Cincinnati in uh, Milwaukee. Then they go back on the road, and they have a three-game series for Friday, Saturday, Sunday again with Atlanta. So... A lot of games coming up with uh, with with tougher teams. So I, I get it. You may say that if they lose all twelve and suddenly they're eight games back, yeah, I mean changes things. But I don't see that happening. So I still think they're going to be buyers regardless. But I agree. Big twelve games coming up. Uh, six against Atlanta, three against Cincinnati. You got to get past Philadelphia first, at least a couple, and then you get uh, what would seemingly be a little bit easier portion of your schedule. You're going to get Washington, Pittsburgh, Colorado. Uh, the White Sox, before you even have to face uh, the Dodgers and the Rangers in back-to-back. Dodgers, Rangers, and Minnesota, for that matter, in back-to-back series. Um, because even Minnesota, despite their record, they're still a division leader. So, But uh, next 12 games, big. Big time. It stinks, Bill. We talk about the Brewers looking for corner infielders, big bats. 
the team right. that might be selling those exact pieces might be the St. Louis Cardinals. And it's the same situation as two years ago when the Cubs were selling off their pieces. They had a lot of pieces. Brewers could have been, you know, they could have used those guys, but it's the Cubs. So they're probably not going to make right. the trade. And now here we are a few seasons later and it's the Cardinals and the Cardinals probably don't want to trade with the Brewers and vice versa. It's tough right. luck that the Brewers yeah. are always in the same division as a seller that the rest of the team is trying to buy from. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It's just uh, the, the teams that are out there, a lot of, put it this way, a lot of the teams are looking for the same thing. They're looking for uh, a bat. Uh, a few are looking for arms like Cincinnati and such. And uh, again, I was you know watching the MLB Network this morning, and they're all saying the same thing. It's just going to come down to who offers the most. That's why a lot of these deals over the next couple of weeks won't get done right away. It'll probably be more pressing up against the trade deadline to see who actually becomes a seller. And there's so many teams right now, when you look at the you know baseball in general, that are that are considered buyers because there's teams that are not that far out. You look at uh, even go over to the American League East. I mean, the Red Sox and the Yankees still feel like they've got, you know, Cashman's talking about what he's going to add. So every team in the East, then you've got uh, over the uh, in the uh, American League uh, Central, you got Detroit, Cleveland, Minnesota all looking to be semi buyers. Same thing between Texas and Houston. Right now, although I believe Seattle and, and the Angels, the Angels have fallen off, and there's a lot of talk about Otani not going back and where he's going to end up. And I, I that would be just, <laughs> you know, you lose Mike Trout, which is bad enough, but then you throw on top of that, you know, no more, uh, no more Otani. Boy, you, what do you, what do you even have a reason to go to the Angels games anymore? But you still think in the Central it's going to be the Brewers and the Reds, and then every damn near everybody in the uh, in the West, San Diego's probably out of it at 10 games, even though they say they're not. I think San Diego's pretty much done, but Arizona, San Francisco, and the Dodgers are all looking too. But I think the teams, I think Pittsburgh and St. Louis, done. Cardinals, or excuse me, Cubs are going to stand pat. Uh, I think San Diego and Colorado, done, even though they say they're not. I think Philadelphia, New York, Washington, done. I think the Marlins are going to still try to do something. I just don't know what they're going to do. They're kind of a fly in the ointment right now, nine and a half games back. And if, you, if you'd have told Marlins fans at the beginning of the season, you'd be 53 and 42 coming out of the All-Star break, and you're still nine and a half games back. I think they'd have been happy with the record, but I don't think anybody saw Atlanta being this good and this much of a runaway. And then Seattle, who was finally seeing a little success hanging in there, are they going to tell their fan base they're out of it? Only eight games back. Well, that's Even another thing, Bill. Their season's over. Yeah, go ahead. Some of these teams might be out of the playoff race. That doesn't mean that they're looking to sell off pieces, right? right. It's, it's hard to make these deals, so maybe we should just get out in front of this a little bit. The Brewers might call around, and they might explore every possibility, and they might try to get a first baseman. It's hard to make these deals because you got to find a team that's looking to sell, and it can't be a team in your own division and other teams. There's only so many teams that are looking to sell. It's hard. It's really hard to do these deals. It's a lot easier said mm -hmm. than done. Nope, I completely agree. And you look right now, and you've got, what, the wild card uh, in both both leagues right now. Um, you still got, I mean, you go all the way down to say, let's just say the, the Mets, who the Mets are just hoping to get healthy and be kind of relevant again. They're eight and a half games back in the wild card. So I can't imagine that they're going to be buyers. San Diego's not buyer. That would make Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Arizona, Miami, San Francisco, and all the division leaders all buyers trying to get better. You go over to the American League side of things, and same thing there. All the way back to uh, the Cleveland Guardians at six and a half games out of the wild card. you got to figure they're still probably going to have a little bit of hope to try to be buyers at this point, along with the Angels, although I believe the Angels are pretty much dead in the water. 
Seattle, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Astros, the Blue Jays, uh, and the Orioles, they're all right there. So they're all buyers too. It's just going to be who has what to sell and how much are you willing to give up to get and, and then then you got to put it into the category that the brewers like because they like not only pieces to sell but in, or pieces to buy, but then they want controllable pieces to buy that have more than a, a half a season or a year and a half on those contracts. They want controllable pieces that can possibly help them. That that really begins to narrow the scope of what it is you're trying to barner or you're trying to garner. So I got it. Um, we'll figure out what's coming up tomorrow. No Brewers game tonight. See if anything else happens. I know the uh, the uh, the college football uh, media days are going on. Big news and stuff going on down in. Uh, I know that we're talking about legacy with Nick Saban, and whether or not Nick Saban's got his legacy on the line this year and such. And look, his, really, yeah, they were. That was a big headline at you know the four letter network uh, when I was kind of perusing the stations earlier today, and I saw that. Uh, um, uh, oh God! Who is the Paul? Uh, what is his name? Feinbaum. Oh, Feinbaum. Yeah, Jesus yeah, of Feinbaum the South. Was, yeah. Yes, he he was down there today, and they're talking about is this the defining season for Nick Saban's legacy? And they're trying to make something out of nothing because it's like no, he's he's entrenched in the you know in the annals of college football coaching for the rest of his life and beyond. But that being said. We've got a lot of college football that we're going to start paying attention to as well, including the Big Ten and including the Badgers and their place in this and and stuff. And then I'm sure there's going to be more regarding all of this stuff going on at Northwestern. So we'll see what transpires in the next 20 hours as we get ready to come back tomorrow morning as well. Good to be back, though. Good to be back in a seat. Until then, for Grant Bills, I'm Bill Michaels. It's time for us to get out here. Hopefully you have a good rest of the day. Hanging out and doing whatever it is you're doing. But until then, we're going to go ahead and take a, take a quick one, get out, be back tomorrow, and have fun. Until then, talk to you later. Have a go. Hoop.